Greetings and happy Wednesday, or actually happy Tuesday. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and it is the 26th day of June. Uh, And yes, I did say it is Tuesday. We, however, you guys tune in on Wednesday. So you're listening tomorrow. So I'll just make that (laughs) reference there. I had to start off with a little concrete jungle by the specials as I sit in traffic. I drive uh, just from North County, San Diego, up to the Dash Radio uh, headquarters, which are in Hollywood. And it takes me two to three hours. So, um, I don't know. Concrete jungle I thought was pretty fitting. And with my guest coming in studio as well today. Uh, first, I want to say happy birthday. Um, happy 38th birthday to Dustin Dolan, who is also another an Australian. It's his birthday today. And you guys tune in. Um, just a heads up, there's some cool stuff happening with um, the show. We're going to do some remote shows. I'm working on with stuff with the Chargers, uh, with Solomon Aga at Pizza Nizza. Uh, the Rams, hopefully, and USC and some skating events as well. So stay tuned on that. Um, and then Cole will hopefully be coming out uh, remotely with me. Cole help, runs the boards for me every week. Um, and so just, uh, you know, and chime at me at Instagram or on Twitter at The Desiree Show or my personal at Desiree underscore Storga. Now, uh, today, I'm super excited to welcome a busy man, someone whom I've actually met on his first trip to the States. He's a pro skateboarder. He's a personality. And that's an understatement. Uh, he's able to skate barefoot and dive through plastic balls. <laughs> Insert Superman theme song here. <laughs> he's an author. He's got a book out. He's X Games Australia's main host. Uh, he's a designer. He has uh, a clothing line. Um, he's also uh, on the Australian Institute of Sports Technical Committee, which is crazy. And you're kind of getting the theme here. This guy's kind of all over the place. He is Australian. Uh, He's also helped with Tony Hawk Foundation and personally with Tony Hawk as well for many events. And I'm super excited to welcome uh, super big time ripper, Mr. Corbin Harris. (laughs) Thanks for the introduction. I need to take you everywhere with me. (laughs) Sure. I'm not that, I'm not, I'm pretty cheap. (laughs) We'll work for eggs. Um, Rad. No, uh, you know, and I had to, um, oh, and and also I do want to throw in there uh, WME, IMG management. So anyone looking to hire you should go through those protocols. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. We'll throw sure. in that little blast as well. <laughs> uh, and you can follow Corbin obviously on Twitter and Instagram at Corbin Harris. He makes it real simple and perfect. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. It's been a minute. It's been, it's been quite a few years actually since I've seen you. It's I been, think in person. It's been a lot of years actually. And I bu- accidentally bumped into your husband the other day uh, at another skateboarder's house, actually three-time gold medalist uh, Elliot Sloan, I'd got, I'd actually gone down to to um, to hit the mega, his little mini hit, mega. Hit his little ramp down there. So and, it's and not I a ran little in, ramp; it's a pretty big ramp. It was a big <laughs> ramp. Yeah, that's and I'm pretty small, so it was huge for me. But uh, yeah, bumped into your husband down there. It's been it's been a minute since I've seen him, but I've seen him sporadically over the years um, at different skateboarding events. But, yeah, you, I, I hadn't really seen you that much, uh, but I, I saw you the first time I came to America and that was pretty fun. Thanks for having me at your house. Yeah. Look at it. To 18 years later, I'm still here. It's Well, it's crazy. What you've done, though, it's crazy because you've done so much and you continue to do so much and then um, I'm like 35, you're only 35 years old. I mean, see, relatively. I don't see it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but maybe I don't know. I'm trying to tick a lot of boxes and, and trying trying to do a lot of different things, uh, work wise, just to keep it interesting for me as well. 
Skateboarding I knew was something that I was really passionate about from 13 years old. Before that it was other sports. But skateboarding I knew I was passionate about, but it was I knew it was a stepping stone, if that makes sense. Not, not in a weird way. It was like it's something I'm, it's still really close to my heart, but I knew there's there's more things to do and more things to achieve. And But I'm like that with like clothing as well. I've, I've, I've done a couple of different lines with clothing, you know. I'm moving on to do some different things and, and kind of feel it out as well. I think I've, I've skateboarded for 22 years been in a tour van for 22 years with a bunch of smelly dudes and I think... Yeah, put yourself in my shoes. <laughs> I've done the same. I've been the only girl on those tours <laughs> driving across Spain with no air conditioning and hot in the middle of summer. You poor thing. Just with just hot, smelly air. I feel you, Desiree. So, I, feel I mean, you. I, I'm not looking for empathy, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, it, it, was always, it was always a really, really lovely platform to step off and, and skateboarding's one of the, you know is for me still one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me mm-hmm. and I love skateboarding and that's why I still want to work in it especially in some areas you know especially with people who are you know like Tony Hawk who are just he to to, to watch that guy wake up every day with six children a career that he's had that has just been jam-packed and still every single day or every second day he's jumping on a plane to go do an interview, to go, you know, host another event, to go do a demonstration somewhere. Like it's admirable what he does and how he keeps that energy up. So to be able to work with someone like that still in the industry and, and so he professional. He just turned 50 as well. He just turned I mean, 50. He's in the middle of May, yeah. That, that's really cool, I think, you know, especially – Australia, where I came from, skateboarding is still kind of a hobby, Mm -hmm. you know. Like people don't take it seriously where I tried to take it pretty seriously seriously and got reprimanded for it, you know, trying to train or trying to do different things. They were like, oh, what's this guy doing? Like trying to, you know, poke shit at me, I suppose, for it. But so so it was an interesting dynamic. Once coming to America, it was like it was on because, you know, the energy drink space had hit. It was uh, it, the wheels were in motion here. The money was here. It was going. No, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no. But you've you've been around. You know, I mean, that's what's so cool is your perspective. Is you are still very relatively young. Mm. Um, but you came here. I mean, you said you've been skating for twenty two years. You came here in 2000, 2001 Was when you stayed with us. Yes, your first trip. Yep. So you've watched how it has changed and it has gone ups and downs. And, you know, with the, with the, you know, with the industry, it's been really tough for a lot of people. 2008 was really tough. 2009. Mm. Um, and now the industry is, appears to be good in some ways, you know, they have huge things with the X games and primarily with the Olympics coming up, but your endemic brands are still struggling. Yeah. You know, so it's a weird dynamic. Uh, dynamic right now, I think. Uh, and your perspective, though, seeing that kind of the, you know, what is uh, the things that you, I personally miss the tours, the the couch tours, and um, and we were laughing about being in the tour vans, <laughs> you know. But it's sort of, um, you know, I was on tour for with the Bones team for three weeks in the middle of summer in Palm Springs, Grants Pass, Phoenix, Sedona. 
Yeah. Uh, New Mexico, like with 13 guys mm. and we were camping and trying to skate and it was so hot. We had AC, we had <laughs> fans, we had to get fans for our tents, but <laughs> I will never forget those amazing moments. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's kind of the, that's the era that I came through in skateboarding too. I recently just did a, um, a friend of mine, TJ Rogers, uh, pro street skateboarder from Canada, um, unfortunately had a friend who passed away about six years ago and he had a memorial contest and he's been able to be at this memorial contest every year um, except for this year he had street league uh, uh, a street league competition which is essentially the tryouts for the Olympics mm-hmm. which is starting right now so it was you know really important for him to be able to be at every contest and he mentioned to me that he had no one to help run the contest and he said listen Corbin it's a really really small grassroots contest but I'd been doing all these like major X games due to a uh, um, street league, which I still am. And I absolutely love being in those, around those skateboarders and around that sort of like energy. But it was also nice to be able to just to go back to like a, a 150, 200 people contest that wasn't being filmed and have a joke with a couple of the boys for a really great cause to celebrate someone's life. You know, like that was... Uh, that was only a couple of weeks ago and I just I, – it'll stick with me that and, and I want to go back next year again because it's about – it's kind of about taking it back, taking it back to the grassroots and, you know, I suppose what I loved and why I fell in love with skateboarding at the start. Yeah, no, me too. It's, uh, you know, the roots. Mm, you so. know, because it's also – this sounds maybe corny but it's – you all know is you, you saw people – and you could tell by their shoes if they skated. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, well, if you heard the noise early on. Yeah. When I was 13 years old, if you heard the noise of someone else, you knew exactly oh. who that person was. Exactly. <laughs> that as well. No, totally. Times have changed a little. <laughs> no, times have changed a little. And then uh, what I miss the most is the backyard bowl sessions that you make. That yes. you help build because you want to be able to skate them. Yeah. Because that's what you do. Mm. You know, you're sweeping, you're. You're drilling, you know, yep. you're putting screws into it. You're digging the shallow end, whatever it might be. You're a part of being able to skate this backyard gem yeah. that you're helping build. You know, I miss that. There's a lot of guys and kids or a lot of skaters that have ramps in their yards now. Yeah. But most of them have had someone come in and build them. <laughs> yeah. You know. And there's nothing like getting dirty and bucketing out uh a pool with a bunch of syringes in it and dead rats. <laughs> no, seriously, there is a rats. I mean, there's really, always a dead rat in the really pool when you're draining you, the pools. <laughs> it really brings you back down to earth. But it's fun. It's fun, that stuff, for sure. I love it. What, what's your favorite uh, me, What's your favorite terrain to skate? I'm uh, Cement, vert? S- no, swimming some, pools. Okay, okay. Swimming pools and, and exactly what you why you said it. I mean, we didn't grow up with... Um, swimming pools in Australia because that era, they, they didn't make them like that uh-huh. um, or like they do in Southern California. And obviously with the drought and everything that you guys had back then, then you were allowed to skate them. It, it just didn't happen in Australia like that. Um, I, fe- I first off started skating um, uh, Transition. Uh, I fell in love with an indoor skate park called Vertex mm-hmm. uh, in the southern suburbs of Sydney. Um, I remember riding my BMX down there, looking through the fence, and I remember it was one of the first 
times that I'd ever seen skateboarding at a, at a sort of a professional level being done. And it was, I remember looking through the fence, I remember BMX with my brother, it was Adam Luxford and Jake Brown and um, a couple of rollerbladers who became like super well known after that, Sesamora, Matt Solano, uh, a couple of B- BMXs as well. I can't remember their names. But um, after that, that's that's what I started to skate. I went to vert skating because everyone was skating vert at that period. Jake Brown and, and all those guys. And Pappas Brothers. And- yep, the Pappas Brothers, Rune Glyfberg. They were doing tours, Bob Burnquist over there, um, like the Globe Hardcore Tours at that point, which were the coolest things that have ever happened. The S Tours, ES, Etnies, America with Costa and all those guys. And then after that, I kind of loved vert skating, but I liked smaller transitions more. So then I, I kind of came to America and then I fell in love with like pools and 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 pool skating. But the whole the whole act of it is is really cool, you know. The act of being like, you know, knee deep in all that stuff and being involved and getting it done as like a group of dudes who are like are after the one goal. That's the fun thing for me. Yeah. You know, that's the fun thing about shooting and doing all that stuff. I definitely I definitely miss that stuff, but I don't know. I've started to skate a lot more recently, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, and you recently you had a pretty cool well, okay, for okay, we're gonna gonna backstep here. So barefoot skating and diving into a gigantic <laughs> donut hole. Not really. I don't even know what you would describe that thing. Um, any prior training that facilitated this trip for you? <laughs> that was that was uh, just plain stupidity. And um, Tony uh, had bought uh, one of those huge round clear balls for for his kids, and they rolled around the skate park. And then we thought, hey, let's uh, let's tilt it up one way and try and fly out of the skate park, and then fly into it. And um, I ended up getting it first shot, and then I never tried it again because that was <laughs> enough for me. I thought if I've made that, I'll, then I'm good. Uh, I got a couple of text messages saying, "How many times did that take you?" But it was the first go. And I don't think I'll ever do it again. Yeah, no, impressive and barefoot. I mean, that was the other uh, really cool element I thought to it. Well, that's that's what I said before. I'd been skating the last couple of weeks, every day <laughs> or every second day. <laughs> if I hadn't been doing that, I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have tried it at all. Oh, very impressive. If you're just tuning in, this is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and I'm joined by Corbin Harris. You can follow him at Corbin Harris on Instagram and Twitter. Um, okay, you mentioned you kind of uh, spoke a few moments about skating this park. You grew up about 45 minutes south of Bondi or 40 minutes south of Sydney, um, Cronulla Beach. Uh, and yep. similar to uh, anything here in the States or similar to Torque and perhaps or uh, like a, you know. What's it similar to or, here? It's like, it's like the look of sort of, um, a tough one. No, it's not really like anything here. Okay. But um, it, it's basically, for me to explain it to you, it's basically a a suburban uh, beach suburb. Um, a lot of people know each other. Mm-hmm. Everyone sort of goes to the same coffee shops and hangs out with each other. Um, 
Yeah, it, it was it was actually like a really, really beautiful place to grow up. I played like rugby league growing up. I surfed after school with my dad. Like that was the kind of atmosphere. But it was like, yeah, it's the burbs, you know. It's <laughs> Everyone knows each other. It's like you love it and I love going back there for Christmas but it's also there was something that, that – I was hungry for that was out of there. But my parents still live there. My sister and her kids live there. Um, it's it's a beautiful place to go home to and to know that it's your home and I can go back there at any stage. That's pretty rad. Yeah, and then surfing, you would go surfing with your dad. This is also where Aki was from. Yep. Um, I mean, but Australia rich, so rich in surf as well. I mean, what Mark Richards, Joel Park, Parkinson, Gary Elkerton, um, Tom Carroll, Pete Townsend, Tosh Townsend's yep. dad, uh, Shane Horan, Ross Clark Jones, Mick Fanning, Stephanie Gilmore, <laughs> Lane Beachley. I Ross mean, Clark Jones is one of my favorite people on earth. Okay. I love Ross Clark Jones. You know, but I mean, so rich in surf history. Mm. Um, what was the break there? I mean, was it a good break? I mean, or is well, it more we, like the Florida breaks? You know, we, no, here? we had we had uh, Cronulla Point, so. Nice point break if it was big. And then we had Shark Island, which was like the closest thing to pipeline pretty much. Like all the bodyboarders used to go there because it was like a, it basically like a, rock, a, a rock shelf that kind of went down um, uh, and it would break on top of that. But you'd have to be pretty careful because you could get like trapped under the rock, similar to like a pipeline scenario of like all of the holes in the reef. Mm-hmm. Um so that was a pretty hairy one. But, we, yeah, we had a lot of different breaks uh, growing up in that area. The beach breaks aren't so good because there's not enough sand that kind of like makes the banks or whatever. But uh, it, was, it was a great place to grow up. I love surfing with Dad. Dad was super hands-on in, in every sort of like way, taking me to football, taking me to skateboarding, taking me to, to, to surfing. I mean, excuse me. He was he was pushing me onto waves when I was, I think, like four years old. So I'd be like being pushed onto waves by dad, at, like early, early on, and uh, yeah, that that was like early memories for me. But that I probably surfed. I remember surfing. The story the story's pretty funny. I remember surfing. And it was so into it. And I kind of like did everything at that stage because you were so young, you're like bodyboarding and like you're a tiny little Doing kid, you know, yeah. you're just trying to get in the water. Um, skimboarding, stand up, like whatever it is. But I remember I remember the day that I saw skateboarding and I was like, I, I looked through that fence and I went home to my mum and dad and I was like, I never want to surf ever again. And from that day... This was and this is crazy for someone who loved the water so much, and anyone who surfs or, or swims or whatever will un, will understand that this is crazy. From that day, I fell in love with skateboarding by the look of it, and never went in the water for three years from that day. Wow, which was like kind of crazy. That's really and my crazy. dad was involved in like surf clubs, and so he was like. What do you What do you mean you don't want to ever do it again? I was like, I'm done. I want to skateboard every day. I want to gold pass at the skate park. I want to spend 10 hours a day there. So I did that in football because I 
kind of got into the school that I was at because of football. No, football. Let's. This is in Australia, so it is not American football. No, rugby, rugby. I played rugby. Which is so punk, I think. It's, rugby's <laughs> rad, you know. <laughs> yeah, rugby, rugby league up until uh, 14 when I changed schools and then I kind of got in because I'd – Excelled a little at, at football, and uh, my grades definitely weren't good enough. So they took me on, <laughs> took, took me on that I could po- probably play A's or B's football. So I went into that and played rugby union. Right. And I kind of chose between skateboarding and and rugby union. And skateboarding was it because uh, I got an, I got a contract by Ramwick. I got an offer by one of the guys and said, listen, we could probably organise a contract for you for um, Ramwick Rugby Union Club. And if all goes wrong, then you can get an apprenticeship by one of the boys. They'll have like, you can be a carpenter or electrician or something like that. And I was like, that doesn't sound like, (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't sound like, you know, the, 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 my site set on sort of like Hollywood or like any type of media career. Um, and then skateboarding, I remember I got invited to uh, the Kuala Lumpur X Games and I flew there and it was like, f- you know, five-star hotel, um, the best atmosphere of like all these international people and so much culture. I was just kind of thrown from the whole thing. I loved it. I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world. Being able to travel, do a sport that you love and, you know, be around all these like idols like Chris Sen and people like this that I like looked up to. So at that point, excuse me, at that point I um, I chose kind of skateboarding and went in that direction and then left football and that was that part of my life done. <laughs> now do you watch – do you watch it at all? Yes. Now? Okay. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, because I, sometimes I think it there's a total separation and then you kind of go back to sort of enjoying it as well, why you loved it as well. I did leave it for a few years, but I'm like pretty obsessed with every sport okay. except for cricket and baseball. Okay. They're my two sports I'm not involved Which in. Which are yet. very similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, bit, they're not, but. <laughs> they're a bit long for me. I need a little more high intensity, but I'm into, I'm, I'm into sport in, in general and probably more so than I've ever been right now. And those sport would that include because I normally have NFL players in here as well. Would that include Ameri- You know the yeah Ameri- American football. The, yeah, I've just the that's the newest. That's the newest one for me. Trying to understand the game, um, but I watch it and I enjoy it. Basketball was the last one, obviously coming to America. Like basketball, I love. I, mm-hmm. You can't get me off the TV for that. And I'm, I even travel with sort of the NBA app and everything. So I'm like. Over it for okay. sure. Okay, no, that that's, and football yeah, that's and yeah, opening. I just I just enjoy sport in general. Yeah, you know, it's positive. No, and I agree. It's positive, and that's what I think's cool. Because there's so much negativity in the world, and people commenting commenting on, you know, just the bad shit, and it's not about that. I think sport brings out the best in people, and that's why it's cool. And that's why I love it as well. That's mm. the same. Re- I mean, it's because and it does bring communities together. It it gets you. It's a good diversion. It's if you're participating in it, it's it's good for your soul. It's good for your body. Good for your mind. Absolutely. You know. And I think that if you are focused on one, on doing one, that you know you you might steer off the course. You know, um, 
but you're not going to steer too far away because you can't if you mm. really love what you're that sport. If that yep. make, if I'm I don't know if I'm making no no it sense, makes sense but, makes sense you know so I have the same um, you know let's so let's go okay Australia Pride Vegemite on toast what is the draw I still I've got I bought it <laughs> when Ellisman those guys when Ellis moved out here with Becky um, I bought it I tried it out I tried it in Australia as it's well. salty it's salty but what is like. W- I it's, I still don't comprehend. I mean, I could do butter on toast, butter on bread, no problem. Did you uh, do a lot of it? Because what you need to do is just a, specific, a little bit. There's a specific <laughs> way that you need to eat Vegemite on toast, and obviously you need a, a really nice slice of like sourdough or um, uh, bread. A lot of the American bread that you guys have here have like. It has too much sugar in it. So I like like the plainest bread that you possibly can get. And then you need a lot of butter on it, like a lot of butter. And oh. make sure it's like Kerrygold, like Irish like really butter or butter. something like that. Okay. Yeah, like good tasting butter. And then you just do let that melt and then you do a little bit of Vegemite on top. I mean, I personally spread it on nearly like peanut butter. Okay, Not that bad, but I like a lot of it. Uh-huh. But I feel like I'm just turning into my father because he's like maybe it's our taste buds are going or something. I don't know what it is. But uh, then you just put a little bit on and that's the best way to do it. But it's an acquired taste for sure and you um, you either like it or you don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, I might have to, no one ever told me to do the butter first. Yeah, they're true. I mean, because. Always, always. And you I think it. I probably put too much on because I was like, okay, I'm, I like, I love different types of foods. Yeah. Because um, a lot of the kids now thinking back to growing up, the way that we liked it was lightly toasted, uh-huh. white bread, lightly toasted, lots of butter, okay. <laughs> like crazy amounts that would still be on there and like you got to get it hot so it's like still like dripping Melting, off yeah. there and then a tiny little bit on top. Just to sort of appease your parents on the using it or something. I mean, you know, like it's like salt and pepper. It's you, it's just in our blood. You just have it in the cupboard. That it's that or peanut butter or honey. Okay. And then you either do the combination of peanut butter and honey, which is I love. Which is great. We don't do peanut butter and jelly. We've never even heard of that growing okay, up. Okay. So it's peanut butter and honey on white bread, uh, and then or, or you do the Vegemite. But that's all you'd have. Okay. Nutella's kind of came in a little later. My mom was raised with the Nutella. And we weren't we weren't allowed, like I wasn't allowed any of that stuff. I wasn't allowed Fruit Loops, Cocoa Pops, which are like a, you know, like rice bubbles, but like uh, the chocolate. Flavored. Yeah, like none of that. My mother was like, you you can have wheat bix, which is like an Australian tradition with basically this, these like wheat cubes with milk uh-huh. and a little sugar and that was it. No, it sounds like my parents. Yeah, we had we granola pre- or grape nuts um, or... Like they just, we, yeah, we didn't have any. The only time we got those, you know, is we went on this annual fishing trip and you know, those little 12 packs of the mini cereals. Yes. Yeah. My sister and I would spend 30 minutes in the grocery store to find the ones that had the most ones with sugar in it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, because so we never got it. We would do the exact same thing at Christmas <laughs> and you go, we'd go down to a grandmother's house like an hour down the coast and you'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get those. Let's get those. And who, <laughs> I never got it. I was the youngest. I'm the youngest out of three. And actually I'm the youngest out of all of our cousins. Okay. Yeah. So like um, it was, I 
pretty much didn't get any of that stuff. I was just, yeah. But it didn't really bother me because I was focused on other things. Yeah, no, and me point. either. I mean, it was just more oh, so I'd like be, when I'd it, be you know, definitely psyched if yeah. I get it. I'd be like, oh, yes. This like is. sugar snacks. What's <laughs> that? Let's try that one. Fruit Loops. Like, yeah. you know, because we didn't, you know, we my, we did the same thing. But I kind of thank, I thank my mother for that because I think now it it's helped me with my eating patterns for sure. And I, and I, Australia and America are very different growing up, uh, produce wise, I even think. But uh, yeah, I was definitely happy to do that because I still feel like I eat quite well. Yeah. No, we, I I feel the same way with my parents, you Mm. know, because we would, they would give us, my parents, I mean, they never had sodas. We didn't have, we weren't allowed sodas. They didn't have sodas. They had, if they did, they bought uh, Diet Shasta. Right. You know, which was like, as a kid, you're like, ugh. I mean, we, we couldn't have it anyways, you know, but, um, and then they did non-fat plain yogurt with like carob chips and granola. Like that was like, oh, here's a, here's a rad little treat for you. Right. You know, but it's kind of cool though. Cause the same thing. I cringe when I see parents like, and they're usually overweight, not yeah. always, but they, they're going through the lines and they've got these huge boxes of cereal, which I know is pretty much. Forty percent sugar, you know. But which, even the even the like the soft drink that you guys get at the like literally the large is the small in Australia. Oh uh, yeah, at the at the movies and things like that. But like how the like you just feel sick after half of it. Yeah, I yeah we don't. I just anyway, I still don't, I don't drink I don't enough need sodas. To be preaching about <laughs> no no I'm, you're right on the same page with me. So we talked about or I mentioned you know rich in surf Australia. Australia is also really rich in skateboarding. Um, you know, I think Jason Ellis, um, Jake Brown, the Pappas brothers, Chad Barty, Shane Cross, rest in peace, um, Matt Mumford, Jake Dunham, Dustin Dolan, Andrew Curry. I mean, there's so many. When you started skating, who inspired you? I mean, those guys mostly, well, well some the, of them are older than you, but some of them are about the same age or younger even. Out of those guys who inspired or, me? Well, no, no. Or, I mean, I... Australians in general. Australian, or if it wasn't an Australian skater, who was it? Who inspired you as a kid to want to skate? I feel like Dustin Dolan was... Was... He, he was around Sydney at some point. Mm-hmm. So he was like a celebrity somewhat or, or a kid that was just kind of going into that celebrity skate status... Um, and, and, and Dustin and I became friends through that period because of Verdex Skate Park. His best friend, Tim, uh, who makes a lot of the music for him and, and yeah, does all that type of stuff. He worked at the skate park there. I worked at the one at Tarrant Point. They were in Penrith because they came from the Blue Mountains. They were like Western, Western suburbs. Okay. Um, so it's about an hour and a half away from each other. I... I really liked Dustin because he was just so, he was punk. Raw. You know, and that was, and that was just a cool thing for me. I, you know, I'd I'd grew up, I'd been playing football and then, you know, doing all these like kind of like, so to speak, mainstream sports. And I fell in love with skateboarding because it was kind of punk. And he was probably at the time, even for America, Mm -hmm. I hear stories like, he was out of control and I liked that part of it, you know, because I felt like I had a lot of friends growing up too that were kind of like a similar character. Mm-hmm. And then we got along really well from sort of like 14, 15 years old. 
Um, other skateboarders that I looked up to and skated with was definitely Andrew Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, rides for independent trucks still. Um, Curry was and and you know has been an inspiration because he he was he was the guy who created the tours. He 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 would ask you to be on the tour. He'd get you to come on with Hoon Wheels and like Hoon Runs and Chad Barty was also just you know, an inspiring guy because he was always trying to do the best. Matt Mumford, I absolutely loved also. Matt's uh, doing really well at the moment now, living back in San Diego, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was an interesting time. For for me, internationally skateboarders, um, and it was kind of funny when we became really close and we still – we are close as friends, was Rune Glyphberg. I always thought Rune – Something about that European or Danish style from the clothes that he wore to the... The way he skates. Yeah. I mean, just, and I don't even yeah. know if that's his... No, I to, mean, the, it's, to the way he skates, he's, he's, he's a great guy. Like everything about Rune's like, he's got like kind of like that, he's got that swag kind of going on. He's got that, he's got that coolness going on. Earlier than that, I think probably the main person two people would have been, would have been Musker. Mm-hmm. Musker was like, that's where I get inspiration. I, I did, I had a, had a chat um, on my podcast yesterday actually with someone and we were talking about like who inspired us. And and the person that I interviewed, um, his inspiration was Jamie Thomas and mine was Musker. But you actually like look at us <laughs> 20 years down the track and those people still influenced us to the clothes that we wear now. And w- when we were looking across each other doing the interview, we were like, well, you're still hash. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm still fresh. <laughs> Which is kind of a funny thing on how how long that can stay with you, you know? Yeah. But I think that they were kind of, that's everything. Lance Mountain was another one that I, I really enjoyed. Lance Something about special. Lance was, yeah. And he's still. Like this humbleness with him. I like the humbleness. Creative and. Yeah, ne- never. I mean, it could be larger than life, but not. I mean, yeah, um, so talented as well. I'm um, not just on his skateboard, but artistically, and mm. you know. And I've been on the phone with him when he was building his pool, his pool back, you know. And he was just like, "Yeah, we're trying to figure this out," you know, like just all going through it. And this mind that um, is able to create and erect, you know, have this vision. It's really cool. Yeah, he's great. Love him. So now you, um, I mean, motivated, super motivated. Um, what are the biggest strengths you bring? Um, because I, I think I know you're motivated because you got from Australia to the Los Angeles, you got to Australia to the U S to mm. all over the world with your skateboard. Um, what motivated you and what are your strongest assets? That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> what motivated me was America was something that I always wanted to tick the box of just because of skateboarding early on. Um, I broke up out of a five-year relationship uh, in Sydney and I was probably 27 years old. I hadn't turned pro yet for Element Mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm doing this now. So I had a few different jobs in between, mostly uh, mostly television and, and broadcasting stuff. 
Um, but I also did real estate and had a couple of offers in that kind of world as well. So I kind of cut all ties with that, especially with like Fox Sports and everything. <clears throat> and then I jumped on a plane and, and came here and was like, this is what I want to do and this is and, – and stayed here and just stuck it out. Um, and I, to tell you the truth, I'd been thinking about that move since the first time – I came, I went to New York in 2005 and New York was and still is for me is like the epicenter of the world because it's, um, it's, it's skateboarding in a, in a different manner. It's skateboarding in a different way. And I like the rawness and like grab a couple of beers at the bar and then we'll go to the next spot or, but New York had something different and it still gives me like this, this hunger about it. it. It had the fashion element. Um, uh, it had it had so many different elements. Fashion, uh, you know, partying, best friends who were there, you know, nightlife, food. Like it had everything that I liked. Um, so I kind of, I feel like this may be a stepping stone, LA, to get back to there or, or even just to spend more time there. But I, I, you know, motivation-wise, I'm—I don't know. I always just wanted to be the best I can be, and and after I think maybe holding so much in over the years of like being a kid, and you can't tell anyone what really your dreams are because everyone will will knock you or or bring you back down to earth. And then I achieved the one that I kept in my whole entire childhood, which was to get a pro skateboard on the one of the biggest companies in the world, Element. Once I kind of did that and I realised that I could walk into any like TV network in Australia or not not any, but I did, uh, called up a television network and said, oh, I want a job and then I got a job. Like I, I knew that the opportunities were there if you were hungry enough. And sometimes it doesn't happen that easy. Uh, and it wasn't that easy, you know. Like oh, I was 28 when I turned pro, 28 years old. I started at 14 years old. Like that is a fucking long time, you know, to be able to to be able to hold on and and really strive for that one thing. So I, I kind of ticked that box, and then I was on to the next thing, and that's what I've just been doing since then. But it's. Motivation-wise, I just want to do the best, and I probably get it from probably get it from my mother. To be honest, okay. she's always just like, you know, if that doesn't work out, onto the next thing, or try another avenue, or do this. You know, just don't give up. Also, like I was super close with my grandparents growing up, who like fought in World War Two. Pop Pop was in New Guinea. Nan was like doing Morse code at the top of Darwin. Um, like Nan only just passed away like last year, but it was like a, it was an interesting, uh, interesting way to grow up because you just you appreciated everything, and then if something didn't go your way, you just kept going. So I, I feel like maybe I'm still using that method. No, it's it's rad. That's why it's cool. It's rad to share that because I think. You know, I want I, people, you know, I think people assume, oh, what well, came easy for people and it doesn't. No. I mean, you work your buns <laughs> off. It's it's that staying focused and continually to try to do it. You know, we were raised with the same. My mom always said, why be a nurse when you could be a doctor? Mm. 
Um, nothing's wrong with being a nurse. It was just, <laughs> why limit yourself? You know, she came here, uh, sponsored by Gillette Razors, to train for the Olympics with Sammy Lee for diving. Right. So, from Belgium. So, but she she did sports to travel, and I've had the same opportunity, you know, which... Mm. Uh, so, but I, I, I'm looking for secrets. So I, you know, in this New York talk, um, I know you've got this new podcast you're dropping. Yep. Um, and it is here. I've got my notes here. Um, if I can find them once again, <laughs> I was like, it's so off the track. Yeah, right that's now. okay. <laughs> um, it's essentially it's a. It's kind of it's assume it's like it's every, some, everything that I love. In 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 life in general, that I'm basically like, what's this? Well, okay, so this is my setup. So um, the new podcast, it's 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 what you love and it's passion, and it's your passions. It's fashion. It's cooking. Yep. So um, here's a little gift from me. Oh, it's thank not you a hand so painted. I've been doing hand painted <laughs> guitars for guys, but be careful because the bottom is a little fragile. Okay. Um, but so there's a few things in there that you might enjoy. <laughs> Thank you um, so much. Yeah, you're like, really? I like <laughs> <laughs> There's some cooking utensils. Lovely. Well, yeah, I didn't get you the utensils. I got you the sort of the apparatus. The apparatus. Um, and got then some eggs. I got I like that. some <laughs> eggs from a friend of mine's chickens. Those are lovely. And um, bubbles. <laughs> I'm going to come and do this more often. I just keep on getting uh, all these gifts. Unreal. Thank you so much. Oh, there's my business card. <laughs> and uh, there's um, one more thing oh, in there yeah. that you might want to blow up for next time when you're swimming <laughs> or skating. <laughs> if I don't use it, my uh, my nephews will for okay, sure. Okay, okay. They like fishes. Thanks for the gifts. Oh, you're welcome. It. No worries. Um, no, congratulations on this new podcast as well. Um, want to hear what if it's going, it's coming out in a couple of weeks. Next couple that- of weeks. I'm kind of, uh, pushing it off at the moment while I just ac- accumulate the guests that I want. But, uh, I just did Tony Hawk. Um, uh, I'm trying, I'm waiting for Eric Andre from the comedy channel to get back at the moment from his new show in Paris, which he's doing, um, a couple of chefs I've got going on at the moment. Um, and, and actress Abby Lee from Australia is going to come on and do something with us when I head to New York in a couple of weeks. So Mm. yeah, I'm just trying to, to basically just my whole network that I've grown up with and, and just to, they're interesting, interesting people. And I kind of thought this was, this is stupid that I'm not taking advantage of just the good people around me who have great stories. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they don't have to be like completely famous. Even I interviewed Eric Bragg the other day from the ETN network. He's just just characters, complete characters that have great stories. And you you if you not if you don't laugh, you're gonna you know be inspired or you know you'll get something out of it for sure. Mm. No, I'm looking forward to it. And that's I mean I think that's what draws is like to share these stories. You know my friends always tease me. They're like. You're always so hyped when you come when you're driving back home, you yeah. know, after your guests are on, and I can hear it in your voice. And yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, um, it's cool to it's. I like people, and I like interesting, you know, to find things. So thank you again for coming in. It's okay. Um, so we've got about ten more minutes. I do have. You've also we didn't touch on. You know, you. I reached out to to Mickey and. Um, Tony's going to be on as well. He said, oh, so we're going to have him from him at the end of the month. Um, but I have a quote here 
Uh, Corbin's been a huge part of the Tony Hawk Foundation's success over the past several years, serving the foundation as its messenger at public events and helping articulate our work and impact to, to press and support uh, and supporters. Whenever we are and whatever we need, Corbin is always there with his unique and unbound energy and insight. <laughs> That's nice. And uh, he told me to tell you high five from them, <laughs> from both of them. Uh, he also mentioned that you will even tell people where the restrooms are gently, gently at events. <laughs> You're really good on I'm the all, mic. I'm hands on. Whatever you need. Whatever you need. You are the glue. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, the Tony Hawk Foundation number one is, and you'll hear it in a couple of weeks when Tony comes on, is just a phenomenal foundation. Um the interesting part is I feel people don't realise how much it gives back to the community and how much it gives to, you know, it, it's for those who don't know, it's bringing building skate parks and giving grants to low-income areas across America and uh, I think Cambodia they've gone into as well with Skaterstan. So... And, and if you can probably check out the Tony Hawk Foundation, I think maybe .com or .org, it'll, yeah. it'll be on the net. But it it really, it shows a couple of videos on there of like, you know, there's a, there's a, a skate park in Detroit that Tony and the foundation just built. And it just, it builds community. It gets people to work together. And I feel like that goes under the radar more so than other stuff rather than just like giving huge money. It's like bringing people together and being able to like tick the 25 boxes of the Tony Hawk Foundation, how to get a skate park and, you know, giving grants in between that. It's not, it's not just about them giving two and a half million dollars and, and creating, um, not, a, not just, just creating a skate it, park, just huge. drop the skate park there. And that's how it is. It's about bringing the community together and working. And most of these are in, are in pretty, pretty tough areas where the kids are having a hard time where it's like gangs or whatever it is. So for the foundation to be able to go in there and do that, I, I feel like if I can drop anything, drop anything and give back to the, to the sport that I love in that way, I think that's one of the best ways that I can do it. And, you know, on another on another level, Tony has been an incredible friend to me since I got here and um, allowed me to to travel with him and, you know, um, learn a lot from him. Yeah. And did I appreciate you, that. Do you ever – did you ever – I mean, was there any – I'm sure there wasn't, but or maybe there was, but, I mean, just – did you see, you know, 20 years ago when you were 14, 11, uh, 21 years ago that you would be travelling the world and working with Tony Hawk? <laughs> No, I didn't. I, I had I mean, a vision of being. I had a vision of being um, in skateboarding, and obviously, like being in media and whatever at that point. But um, I think the thing that hit home for me was Australia is a very mainstream country where they only care about mainstream sports, and my whole entire skateboarding slash media career, I was trying to persuade them that skateboarding wasn't a bunch of kids who smoked weed at the skate park or bongs and did graffiti. It was something that they wanted to do, which now they know, especially in my area, because we've got a brand new skate facility, thanks to Convict Skate Parks, 
Um, and everyone uses it, even the people who were going against me when I was wearing a suit 10 years ago trying to get the skate park. They had enough about them. Um, <laughs> where was I going with that? Australia being main, yeah. mainstream. But, you know, what's so I, funny is you say that because when we went to Australia in 2001, there was more skate parks there than they were all in California, in all of, all of the U.S. Yes, but still we ha- we're, we're a granny country. We, we, we're, there's so many rules and regulations. So getting back to it, me being able to be aligned with the biggest, one of the biggest sports or well-known athletes in the world across any sport and and over three or four decades was a huge feather in my cap because people started to even listen even more. So not only was I just the skateboarder who, you know, made it to television in Australia, you know, they only knew two or three people. It was like myself, Robbie Madison, Mm -hmm. Because he jumped over a football field in Vegas yeah, <laughs> on a motorbike, yeah. who's a legend. And, you know, Mick Fanning or a couple of surfers. Now it's more well-known in the surfing crew, but they don't know or really want to know anything about it. So that's why I also think moving on from that, the Olympics is a good thing because countries like Australia who haven't had the funding in, in uh, certain action sports – will now hopefully start to get a look in and and that's what I'm about. Right. Shoot. And we've got we've got about four more minutes. Um so I don't I mean there's so much I wanted to talk to you also about the Olympic stuff, but you also have a book, The Guide on How to Skateboard, which Forget is still about available. The book. <laughs> um we you know, but you know, which people can find on Amazon. But um you are part of the technical committee mm. uh, with the the Australian body of sports. Yes. Um, technical, I'm assuming, is not the compulsory element. <laughs> um, Sadvert is not a part of this, um, but but you do feel that the Olympics are going to be good. What, what, I, just tell me quickly, what, what is the technical, what does that mean? So our, <laughs> where we basically, there's five of us mm-hmm. um, who, everyone's great in their own way. Photographers, industry people, uh, skateboarders, um, Esther, one of the one of a great strain uh, women skateboarders. Uh, it's basically to give the yes or no answers that the Australian Institute of Sport doesn't understand or or don't know. Okay. So if they <laughs> ask some stupid questions on how we should be doing this or, or what facilities do we really need, do we need tours through Europe to go and to go and uh, help with the athletes, do what what do we need? So we're trying to basically like move our way through all of those questions and help get the funding mm-hmm. at the moment on what we need. So we're working on uh, a brand new facility in Sydney at Sydney Olympic Park where the Olympics were held in 2000. Uh-huh. Um, a, a park like the Vance Park Series and a, a new street course just like Street League. Um, and hoping that will be in the next six months so then they can train for the next year and a half up until Tokyo 2020. Wow. Australia, I feel, after talking to America, I feel like we're in front of it at at this point. Um, It's been slow for a lot, a lot of years, but I feel like we've got the right people set in place now to sort of pull the trigger and to let it go. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting time. I, I, I was hesitant about being involved because I was involved in something like this years ago in Australia. 
um, and they didn't listen to me. But now I think that it is going to be, it's going to be a plus for sure. So yeah, it's going to be interesting times, and uh, I'm happy to help Australia in that way. I don't see myself going back to Australia anytime soon, but I'm more than happy to to help them um, create the future future and to create, uh, you know the next greatest skateboarders on planet earth. <laughs> no. And there's, t- I mean, I think a poppy star and I think of Haley um, yeah. uh, who are, I mean, there's, and there's plenty of girl, a uh, plenty of, of skaters, but those two, but those specifically, those two girls mm. are ripping. Yep. Um, so, and poppy's kind of a cool story as well. I think she was making her jewelry to sell, to make money, to be able to travel. She is. is. She really is. Cool. I've known poppy since she's been about six years old. Oh, right. So we'd like, We've done a lot of media for like Bolorama events and different things, but she's a special, very special girl. She's She's got a really good heart. It comes from the right place and I think uh, I hope that she, she you know, one, get, moves forward and she will be in that Olympics, but I hope she gets a medal. I'd, I'd love it for her and I'd love it for Australia in general too because everyone will finally wake up and realise it's not just uh, – a couple of kids down at the down at the skate park smoking cigarettes or, or graffiti. <laughs> no, it's true. like that's such an old mentality. So, so well, shoot, we are we are running out of time. So we are out of time. I'm <laughs> Cole's giving me the nod. That's all right. Thanks um, for having me. No, I'm so thankful. Um, people, best way for people to find out about all the going ons you have going on is. Instagram and Twitter at Corbin Harris. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Instagram is probably my main one, which I'm running through at the moment. So yeah, that's it. Which I'm actually not on for the next week because I've just banned myself. Good. And, uh, <laughs> that's good. That's kind of healthy. I like that. It's healthy. You need it. But uh, yeah, everything's on Instagram and uh, if not Instagram, uh, Twitter or Facebook. Okay, great. Thank you so much for making the time and uh, have an awesome week. And then you're off to New York or Chicago here real soon? Chicago this week just for 4th of July weekend. So okay. it's going to be, I want to let my hair down a little bit. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. He's going to let his hair down. Maybe put some of those eggs in this hair. Um, all right, you guys, thanks for tuning in. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio. And thanks, Cole. And tune in next week. I'm out.